On today's episode of Phone Calls with Clever People, we're having a conversation about urgency. Today's guest is Dermot Crowley, and he says that urgency is actually something that we need more of, but it might not be the kind of urgency that you're thinking of. Today, I give Dermot a call to find out how we can leverage the power of urgency to avoid burnout and actually increase performance. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, liftoff! Hi everyone and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author and mentor from Melbourne, Australia and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Joining me on the phone today is Dermot Crowley. Dermot is one of Australia's foremost thought leaders on productivity and not just personal productivity, but he also helps organizations to create more productive cultures. He's a best-selling author with a number of books you've probably seen around the place, including Smart Work and Smart Teams. And he has a great new book out called Urgent, Strategies to Control Urgency, Reduce Stress and Increase Productivity. Dermot, so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Shane. That's fantastic. Before we kick off, one of the things I love to do is just jump in with some fast facts, which is where were you born? Um, What was your first job? And then what do you do with yourself now? Fantastic. Okay. Well, I was born in Dublin, Ireland uh, many years ago now. Um, My first job was actually um, doing a milk round when I was probably about 14 years of age. And they used to have little battery-operated milk carts in Dublin. And I used to ride on the back of it delivering milk at, at five o'clock in the morning. And um, and now I run a, a productivity training business based in Sydney called Adapt Productivity. And I probably spent the last 25 years working in the productivity training space, helping organizations and individuals to um, to work more productively and get more out of the day. Now, I have to ask the question, are you naturally a productive person? I mean, what, what leads you into this field of expertise and this space to work in? Yeah, look, um, pure luck and, and very, very lucky on my part. I arrived in Australia in 1993 and I was a completely disorganized mess. I literally, I was backpacking my way around Australia and um, about six months into my trip, I I arrived in Sydney, which which became my home. And I, I literally arrived in Sydney with $20 in my pocket, a plane ticket back to Ireland and a Counting Crows cassette tape. And that was it. And um, luckily, I, I, I met an Australian, I fell in love, and I fell in love with Australia. And once I settled here permanently, I started working for a what was then a um, time management training company, and it was back in the days of paper diary systems. And um, I fell in love with productivity, and I got really organized because I was working within that um, sort of culture. And um 
I've never looked back, but I, I'm not naturally an organized person. I had to work at it to begin with. I, a couple of weeks ago, I was interviewing and we were having a conversation with Janine Garner here on the podcast. And I was talking to her off, off air a little bit. And she was ta- telling me a story about when you went to Harvard together and when it came to um, the preparation and the pre-reading materials that were required for the course. And, and she said, you know, she gets to the airport and she sits on the plane and she uses that time on the plane to be able to basically prepare for everything. And she said everyone else who had come had come like prepared with all the materials ready to go having read all of those different things now i tend to be more along the lines of a janine type of person uh was that an experience is that a true story were you well and truly prepared in comparison yeah i think myself and janine have quite different styles in that regard so i had um downloaded all of the course materials to my ipad i had read everything that I was supposed to read before I went, um, which meant that I could watch movies on the plane and um, uh, not have to cram. Uh, but I'm I'm a very proactive person. I, I can't stand leaving things till the last minute. I can't stand arriving late to meetings. I, I would prefer to leave early and get, get to the meeting in the city when we used to be able to travel to the city. I prefer to get there half an hour early and do some work in the in the foyer rather than leave it till the last minute and then rush to catch a um, you know public transport or a taxi or whatever. Well, look, there's, there's, I think what we're touching on here is two very distinct groups of people. There are some people who hear the idea of productivity and they, they resonate deeply with this. All those things you just touched on, that's the kind of person that they are. Or you've got people on the other side of this who are, you know, very much the opposite of that, who like to leave things to the last minute, who maybe, you know, cram things uh, at last minute. This podcast is really going to help both of those groups of people to ultimately um, avoid the sense of burnout, increase their performance. And we're going to talk about this concept of urgency. Uh, and it's the, the title of your, your new book, Urgent. Um, but one of the things that obviously comes to my mind when I think about urgency is I get these straightaway conjures up in my mind, these feelings of being frantic, feeling stretched. And I feel like urgency in my mind doesn't seem like a good thing. Um, and yet you've written a book on it and you say we, we, we need more of it. Um, what do you mean when you talk about urgency? So the, the definition uh, in the Oxford Dictionary of, uh, of urgency is um, important work that needs swift action. And I, I would question that to some degree because I think when we use the term urgent in the workplace, quite often it's not important work. It's just stuff that someone feels needs to get done. And I reckon there's actually, if you really examine it, there's three different types of urgency. There's fake urgency, which is when when it's not urgent at all and someone's just putting the pressure on and saying, I need this quickly. Or, or sometimes what we do is we create the fake urgency ourselves. Emails are a really good example of this. Mm. If we've got a, a reactive work style where every time an email comes in, we it goes bing on our phone and we jump on it, we're actually making it urgent even though it wasn't urgent to begin with. So um, we need to avoid that fake urgency. Um, there's also um, what I would call uh, reasonable urgency, where something is um, urgent and we could not have planned for it, and we it is important and we need to deal with it. And, and that's kind of above the line. That's the sort of urgency that I want to increase. But sitting in between the two of those is avoidable urgency. And and this is the biggest problem, I reckon. A lot of urgency in most workplaces uh, are caused by 
either other people leaving things until the last minute and then putting it on your plate, or you leaving things to the last minute yourself and having to deal with the fallout of that. And and that's uh, definitely something I want to minimize. So as well as my whole approach to, to urgency is we need to know when to dial it up, when it's reasonable and real, but we also need to know when to dial it down, when it's just distracting and and when it's just causing unnecessary stress and rework and ultimately potentially burnout for people at the end of the day. Mm, I like that. It's knowing when to dial up the sense of urgency and know when to dial it down. I think one of the things you touched on there is emails. Uh, often we have emails that allow you to flag the level of urgency on it. And of course, urgency in an email is often a person who just goes, I want a response to this. And it's more about time than it is about the actual level of importance um, mm -hmm. when they're sending emails, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what also gets mixed up with that is the, the level of importance of the person sending it um, so I, I had um, I had dinner with um, family friends uh, over the weekend and, and their daughter is is a junior lawyer and um, she was saying in her firm um, everything every single email will have urgent on it mm. but the ones that are truly urgent don't just say urgent they say this is really urgent and then there's a level above that, which is really, really expletive <laughs> urgent. And they have all these in, in their head. They've got this code for if it says urgent, it's not really urgent. And if it comes from a senior partner, then no matter what it says, we'll deal with it immediately. So it, it, it's kind of got all mixed up for us. And, and we're, we're, I, I think that we're not paying attention to it anymore. We're just kind of used to everything having this time sensitivity to it. But what I'm hoping to do is to just get people to stop for a moment and, and think about it and to change their own personal behaviors. And I'm also encouraging leaders in organizations to think about the cultures that they're creating in their organizations and how they, they potentially are part of the problem and they're creating this cycle of urgency that is actually very destructive. Mm. And what do you think are some of the big impacts or what are some of the, because again, like we, if we were to think about this, uh, you know, if we talk to people about strategy and they go, you know, if, if, um, if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. And I know you touched on the book and the idea if everything is urgent, then nothing is urgent. And that's kind of what you've alluded to here. If everything becomes urgent, what's the level above that to create more urgency? And what do you think are some of the big problems of um, for workplaces and for individuals where everything in their world becomes really urgent? Yeah. Um, look, I, I reckon that the, um, uh, the fallout is kind of unseen, but is very real. Now, what I mean by that is um, a lot of organizations have never really examined this. They all, We all know where urgency exists. So when I talk about this, it resonates for most people and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the answer, just like our workplace. But uh, I reckon that it's kind of ignored by a lot of leaders in, in businesses. And, and I kind of um, think of it as a, an inconvenient truth, and um, just like Al Gore's documentary mm -hmm. about climate change was an inconvenient truth for for governments. Um, I reckon urgency is an inconvenient truth for for a lot of leaders because if I said to them you need to dial down the urgency, they would go, no, 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 we we need people to be you know moving quickly. We want them to be responsive, and and we want them we want them to be working with a sense of urgency. But I believe that they're actually creating senseless urgency, not not a sense of urgency. Mm. 
So the, the fallout of all of that is um, if people are sometimes thrown into urgent situations and, and they have to deal with what I would call acute urgency where something's really urgent, if that happens every now and again, Okay, there's going to be a little bit of stress while we deal with that um, uh, issue, but then we, we kind of come back down to a more um, sustainable and manageable level. And, and that's perfectly healthy. That's not a big deal. The big problem for me is when people are forced into a situation uh, which is uh, what I call acute and chronic urgency. So when they're, when everything is urgent, when we're they're operating above the line at that really high level for too long, I reckon that three things happen. And number one, the quality of our work goes down. And there's a lot of rework created because when everyone's moving at a million miles an hour and we're rushing things, mistakes get made. And that just leads to rework having to be done. So it's not very productive. Mm. That's number one. The second issue, as you've alluded to, it's very stressful. And sure, you'll get some people who will say, no, I love a deadline. You know, give me a deadline. I do my best work at the last minute. And okay, I get that that is true for some kinds of work and for some kinds of people. And if it was just you, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you know, when you were at university, and if you left your, your assignments until the last minute and you had to pull an all-nighter to get that done, well, the only person that really affected was you. Mm. But in the workplace, if this is our work style, we might um, get get all charged up by working in this way. But the, the impact that we have on the people around us is very negative and destructive. So I don't think it's appropriate to work in that way in, in the modern workplace. I think it just causes way too much stress. And then thirdly, uh, the, the, the consequence of that is I believe that it causes burnout for people. And people leave organizations, they leave teams, and they might not name urgency as the reason they left, but it is a part of the problem. People um, don't necessarily like working in this highly pressured environment all the time. So, you know, they might leave and go to somewhere that's just a little less intense. Mm. And they don't call it, you know, an urgency, but that that is definitely... Uh, one of the reasons why we lose people. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it there in, in the sense that at an individual level, we feel like um, we're constantly operating in a place of overwhelm or we're constantly feeling in a place that, that is constantly under stress or constantly under anxiety because it feels like that we can almost never keep up to the you know, the unending urgency that kind of sits around us and it affects us at an individual level. But I like what you've touched on there at a, at a leadership level. This isn't just something if we can't get control over this at a leadership level, it impacts the people around us. It impacts our team and it impacts the people uh, that we work with on a day to day basis. And there would be probably people who are listening who could relate to having at some point in their career experienced a leader who might be that I think you described them the last minute delegator, which is, you know, mm. all this work comes along and then all of a sudden it gets delegated at the last minute. Everyone feels like they have to kind of pick up the slack for that. Um, what's the kind of impact at a leadership level for this? Well, look, I reckon that um, leaders are constantly trying to get the most out of the resources. And, and look, I, you know, I really do believe that most leaders are good people who, who want to create great environments for their people. But, yeah. 
if they don't see this as an issue uh, and they don't put it on the agenda, then they they just end up um, with resources that are not as effective as they they could be, or they ended up they end up having to um, deal with the, their people in a, in a negative way. I, when I was doing research for the book. I heard one person refer to this as squeezing the resource, mm. and I thought, "Wow, what a, what a what a terrible frame for getting more out of the resources that you've got." Um, I, I reckon that uh, leaders know the amount of money and time it takes to recruit new people. So if they're losing people, if their attrition rate is higher than it should be because they've got a, a, a an unproductive culture, that's that's a real shame and it has a real impact on the bottom line in any business. Mm. Um, and especially, you know, if, if you think about COVID and and what you know the change that that has made to how we're all working. I know that a lot of businesses are trying to work out how do we get the best out of our people mm. uh, when they're in a remote situation. And, and I think a part of that is, well, you know, stop heaping unnecessary um, urgency on them and making them feel like everything's reactive all the time. Try and help them to work proactively and, and uh, you're going to have a happier workforce. Yeah. I mean, you touched on a few of the, I guess, the consequences or the, the problems that exist from cultures of, you know, where everything becomes what you've touched on, this unproductive urgency. What are the benefits? Like if we were to kind of have the ideal situation here where the benefits to an organization, to a leadership team, to an individual, why do we, why is this something we need to get right? Look, I think the benefits are um, at the individual level, um, you know, just less stress, more control over our work. And an ability to spend more of our time doing the important stuff that really has an impact in our role. I think that we can easily get caught up doing a lot of busy work mm. uh, because we're not prioritizing effectively or we're not stopping to plan. This is a part of the problem. We see we feel so pressured and we've got so much to do and we're so overwhelmed. People don't stop to plan and prioritize properly. Therefore, they end up being really busy with days and weeks full of activity, but at the end of the day, they're not necessarily achieving what they need to achieve. So I do think just at the individual level, having a more proactive mindset Mm. and having a more proactive uh, system for organizing your work just allows you to focus on what's really important. And then, of course, at the the team level, uh, where that's where productivity cultures really kick in. So I you know, I believe when I work in large organizations, it's very hard to change the culture of a, a large bank or an insurance company, uh, something like that. But what you can do is you can you can change the culture of a team and create what I call a microculture, which is a bit like a microclimate. Mm. We can create our own culture within the team and then create ripples. So um, Scott Johnson talks about um, creating ripples in his book, Emergent where um, cultural change happens at the team level and then those teams create positive ripples that influence other teams. Mm. I really believe in that idea. So I reckon that when a, when a manager or a leader can put something like this on the agenda and really work to help their team to be more proactive and less reactive 
it it just creates a much more positive space to work and it helps everyone to um reduce the the urgency that they're creating for everyone else it's it's a cyclical thing we create a you know all boats rise with the same tide when and we're all working more proactively then what will naturally happen is there'll be less reactivity therefore um it all begins to subside a bit yeah, I love that, and and really nice. If that's if that doesn't kind of appeal to people who are listening to want that kind of environment, uh, then I actually don't really know what else we could say that would make a person want that. But one of the 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 things that um, I think we we touched on a little bit earlier on was this idea of and I like the way you phrased it is not um, it's creating a sense of urgency versus creating senseless urgency. And what are some of the things that we would be looking for to try and distinguish between these two things? How do we distinguish between what is helping us create a sense of urgency within our team or what might be creating these kind of loops of senseless urgency? So I guess uh, the first thing that comes to mind is um, being really clear about the difference between reaction Mm. and response. So um, I believe there's a there's a massive difference there. So um, you'd be familiar with the um, uh, the knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. So when the doctor hits your knee with a hammer, your knee jerks up. When when that happens, it actually bypasses your brain. So your knee doesn't send a, a signal to the brain to say I've just been hit by something, and then your brain sends a signal back to say okay, we'll jerk up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it actually leaves the brain completely out of the conversation, and and that. That is just a, an instinctive reaction to the hammer. Um, I reckon that quite often we react to things without stopping to think about it and, mm-hmm. and just, just pause for a moment. So for me, being responsive is very different to being reactive. And all it requires is for us to take a moment to pause before we react Evaluate what what's actually happening. So is this truly urgent? And do I need to drop this right now? We need to prioritize. So we need to consider the opportunity cost. So if if I drop what I'm doing to deal with this new thing, is this new thing more important than what I'm trying to focus on right now? Mm. And then and it might be, but it might not be. And then we need to make a decision. Okay, what's going to be my course of action? So for me, that and those four things happening in the space between reaction and, and response are uh, really important. And that that means that we need to be very mindful of what is happening, and and not just go blindly into reacting to the email or the interruption or the the new piece of work that's coming. So that's a very simple thing that we could do just at a at a personal level. Mm. Um, if I was a manager and I was trying to create a more proactive culture within my team, I guess there's there's probably four things that I would really um, build some skills around and I would open conversations with my team around. So um, I, I reckon that there's going to be some urgency that's coming at you from other parts of the organization or outside of your organization. And there's going to be some situations where you need to actually drive the urgency yourself. Mm. And then there's going to be some situations where you need to increase urgency and there's going to be some situations where you need to decrease urgency. Mm. So if you imagine those on on four points of compass, I reckon when, when urgency is coming at you and you need to increase it because it truly is urgent and it's a good use of your time, 
I reckon managers need to teach their teams to be responsive versus reactive. Mm. To just slow down a bit and, and, and make good decisions about what's happening. But they, they do need to respond to that stuff. But if it's coming at them and it's uh, it's not warranted, so it's, it's really urgency that should be decreased, I reckon that the manager's role is to absorb that urgency. Mm. So rather than being a conductor of urgency to their team, they need to cushion that. And, uh, and, and that means that they, they need to negotiate and they need to question why. Because if we, if we never question why is this urgent, then we're just tolerating poor behavior. So I reckon that is a part of a leader or a manager's role. And then in situations where they need to drive the urgency themselves, they might need to mobilize people and get them behind an urgent issue. Or if they see urgency happening and it needs to be decreased within their own team, they, they need to work out ways to diffuse that urgency. Mm. So it's a ton of practical solutions to this. It just requires both the individual and the manager to be more mindful and more purposeful about how they use urgency as a tool. I mean, uh, that's something I would go back into and, and listen again, those kind of, those four big um, spaces. But ultimately the question here is, in what circumstances do we need to dial down that um, unproductive urgency? And in what situations do we need to dial up? Yeah, yeah. So very simply for me, it's, it's we need to dial it down when the urgency is not actually helping us to achieve our goals and objectives. Mm. And it's just causing distraction and unnecessary stress. And we need to dial it up when when it truly is urgent. And we can only we can only really define that if we're really clear about our goals and objectives or the goals and objectives of the team or the organization. So it, it really comes back to um, making sure everyone is aligned about what is important, having a clear sense of priorities and making urgent decisions based more on the importance of the work than the time sensitivity of it. If, if, if the only evaluating criteria is how quickly does this need to be done, then the chances are people are going to be very busy, but potentially busy doing the wrong stuff. But if you put importance first mm. and then urgency second – but you evaluate both, you're more likely to be making good decisions about when you need to dial it up versus when do we need to try and dial it down. Oh, I love that. Importance, not just time sensitivity. Like how does this align with what we need to get done, not just about when it needs to get done? I mean, that's that in itself is uh, really, that's what you touched on here because one of the big statements you make is that we actually need more urgency. But the, the kind of kicker to this is that it's actually we need the right kind of urgency, not senseless okay. urgency, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you know, if you really think about it, that that's only um, you know, in the ideal world, maybe twenty percent of our time should be spent dealing with truly urgent things. Most of our time should be spent working proactively on uh, important work, but being making sure that we're set up to be in a position to deal with the urgency when it is valid and it is required. One of the things that, that might be tempting for people to think who, who are listening is that they might just feel like, yeah, but you don't really understand my sector, right? Because, you know, my sector, everything is urgent and, you know, we're in a bit of an anomaly. You know, you probably, you're in a different space. You don't get what I'm saying. What, what would you say to those people? So 25 years working in the, the productivity training space, I have heard that line from <laughs> everyone 
who works in, you know, you name it, and the professional services industry, the consulting industry, the, the legal industry, the banking industry, the manufacturing industry, the travel industry. <laughs> they say to me, but Dermot, you don't understand. We're different. We work in a very reactive um, industry and, and this is a, we have to be reactive, but otherwise we can't be competitive. And my very strong view about this is you will find that industries are not reacted by nature. Organizations are not reacted by nature. It is people and their work styles that cause reactivity 99.9% of the time. I'm absolutely clear about that. And whether it's, you know, individuals working within an organization or it's the CEO of an organization, when you, when I see a really reactive culture, what I often do is I look at the leadership team and I go, yep, caught so. They're <laughs> extremely reactive themselves. The, the fish rots from the head down, unfortunately. And this is why I say, you know, this is an uncomfortable truth for leadership teams. They are a part of the problem mm. and they need to get on board and become part of the solution. But they, they shouldn't be afraid of this because I'm not saying let's get rid of the urgency. What I'm saying is let's be more purposeful about how we use it. Mm, I love that. What what a, what a nice way to kind of bring this conversation into kind of land a little bit. And what I, what I would love to do before we kind of wrap up the conversation is, you know, there are going to be some people who are almost feeling a sense of overwhelm. They look around at everything right now, whether it's a leader of a team or whether it's an individual and they go, it just, it feels like everything is a little bit overwhelming and everything's a little bit urgent or it's all that unproductive urgency. Like what are some of you, what are some of your tips or some practical um, advice for those people about what they could start or what could they, what can they do to start the process to kind of um, dialing down the unproductive urgency and dialing up the productive urgency? Yeah, look, I reckon that um, most people, uh, the, the first thing that comes to their mind when we talk about this is they go, look, this all makes sense to me. The, the, the challenge is I've got more senior people who are putting this urgency on me and mm. what can I do about that? I, I'm, I'm not important enough to be able to wield the power to change their, their point of view. So what I always try and bring it back to is a, a simple set of tools and skills that you can use. And although you might not have um, uh, authoritative power, you do have the power of influence. And, and for me, negotiation is one of the most important skills when it comes to productivity, being able to negotiate your priorities and your workload, and in this case, negotiate urgency. So I just use a simple um, idea, which is, which is not mine. This has been around for years. It's often used in projects. They call it the um, – it's got lots of names, but the, the, the negotiable variables within the project. Um, uh, but they, they commonly, they would be things like time, quality, um, budget. They're all negotiables. Mm. What I've done is I've taken those. I've turned them into dial. So I use that, that term and dial up or dial down the urgency. Well, these are all dials that you could um, you could turn to adjust and to negotiate with. Mm. So imagine a, a music system with lots of little dials that help you to adjust the music. So time is one of the, the dials. So sometimes people, um, they, they uh, turn the dial on the time and they, they give you less time than you would like. And what you can do is come back to them and try and negotiate using one of the other dials. So, for instance, the quality dial, 
So whether we could, you know, have higher quality or lower quality, I could use that as a negotiation tool. So I might say to you, okay, I can deliver this to you next week. So it's a very short deadline, but I can do that. But the quality of the work isn't going to be as good as if we we had till the end of next month as initially agreed. So if the the time in a project was dialed down, I could say, can we negotiate around the quality? And and maybe that's a negotiation that is palatable to the other person. Mm. We could also negotiate around the scope of the work. Um, the resources, so whether we bring in more resources or less resources, the actual budget. So if you give me more money, I can pay to outsource some of this stuff, and that means we could get it done quicker if you need it to be done, but it's going to cost. Mm. And even risk is a um, is a negotiable. Then. So for some organizations, the, the risk appetite might, um, might be flexible. So I guess um, what I'm saying is we do have things that we can negotiate around, we just need to have confidence, and I think that leaders and managers need to open up the space for this sort of conversation, and they need to allow their people to push back and negotiate on these things because it's all about getting the work done in the best way possible. And the problem is we're all busy. It's very complex, the work that we're working on, so we can't just pile priority on top of priority on top of priority and expect everyone to have it done by Friday because there's only so much that we can do. So mm. I just think that's a very healthy conversation to have. I love that. And I love being able to to equip people with that conversation by having even just the visual of the dials in your head when you're having those conversations yeah. and asking the question, okay, if we were to adjust this, what does this mean to the rest of the dials in the process of that conversation? And and again, knowing what are the things that I need to dial up and what are the things that I need to dial down, especially in this area of urgency. And I think you touched on it really nicely. So if, if everything is urgent, then nothing is urgent. But if we can um, dial up the productive urgency, it helps us that's essentially that's aligned with the importance of the work it'll help us to get it done and get it done better and quicker but at the same time if we're we can't do that if we're constantly being bombarded with all this unproductive urgency that surrounds Mm. us uh, what, so what, a, nice. what a great conversation, Dermot. Thank you so much for your time. And I, obviously, we're, as we're kind of bringing this conversation into land, uh, I do want to encourage people to, to re- uh, reach out and get a copy of your book, Urgent, um, from Strategies to Control Urgency, Reduce Stress and Increase Productivity, all things that tick the boxes for me, um, and reach out um, and connect with you through adaptproductivity.com.au. That's exactly right. Fantastic. And of course, connect with you on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is always a great place to be able to connect with other people and and to be able to um, just see some of the ongoing work that you're doing with teams. But a big thank you for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Shane. Loved it. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.